True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we're so excited. We're coming to you again from the podcast suites. We're going to try to keep this up as much as possible, as much as the budget allows. And um, Renee, hey, happy anniversary to you and your husband. Oh, that's right. Today is Renee's wedding anniversary. So we all want to wish her a happy anniversary. And um, okay, so we're going to read a review like we always do. And the name of this review says, very informative podcast, and it's five stars. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's from Sue B. Honey 63. So thank you, Sue B. Honey 63. And um, the review says, wow, your podcast is amazing. So full of information on Missy. This is one of the cases I hope is solved this year. Her children deserve answers. The other case I hope is solved in 2022 is the Delphi case. Oh my gosh, isn't that the truth? Oh, we agree, we agree, we agree. We're following, we're following Delphi as well. We need to do another show on Delphi. Yeah, these poor um, kiddos, I mean, you just can't even imagine. It's, it's hard for adults and family members alike, but the kids, I mean, they, they're young, they don't understand it, and they have to learn how to deal with it and move on without their mom. So I can only imagine the, how hard it is. Horrifying. So what's Absolutely. been going on? Do you have big plans for your anniversary? I don't know. Hubby's working. Uh, He'll be home a little while after me, so we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) You might have to push it to tomorrow. We do that a lot. Yeah. We've pushed it out months before because we were so busy. Yeah. Have to make it, have to plan around everything that you got going on, so. That's the truth. Well, today we're going to talk about the Missy Beavers case, which is obviously our favorite case and the one that we are most concerned about on a daily basis. And did you want to go ahead or? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, you know, as everybody knows that we, we have, um, you know, some, uh, I guess it's just kind of rough at times coming up with, you know, new things to talk about in the Missy Beaver's case. Um, but we do have a lot of listeners that um, constantly contribute to helping us think of things and uh, giving us ideas, you know, things like that to, to do. And we had a, a listener that uh, kind of gave us some uh, thoughts on some topics, I guess you could say. So we're going to kind of talk about it according to a reliable source. Now, um, keep in mind, we're not going to reveal who these people are. We're not going to tell you whether they're female or male. So just don't even ask because we, we don't, we don't want to put anybody uh, in a position where people, you know, bombard them with, you know, trying to figure out who these, who, you know, get more information. So everything we're going to tell you this far on this episode is just going to be information that we've heard and that's going to be the, the end of that information. So, And we're still careful of the investigation. And we're not trying to be the National Enquirer by saying it's a reliable source. Right. We actually are getting this information from reliable sources. And um, we're just not disclosing their names because that could be a problem for the investigation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not, not just the person themselves, but for the investigation. Okay, so I will start with the first one. Um, according to a reliable source, uh, the Nissan Altima wasn't important to the police because if you remember back when this first happened, police are not the ones that actually released the information about the Nissan Altima. It was actually the um, SWFA, which is just a little bit, uh, what is it, south of uh, the church Down off of 287. 287. So um, they weren't really concerned about the Nissan Ultimate because apparently there was another vehicle seen behind the church uh, from maybe probably the inside camera since the outside ones weren't working. 
So I found that pretty interesting that that, that was it. I mean, and they were consistently and have been consistently looking for the driver just to question them of the Nissan Altima, but it wasn't really something that they, you know, pushed and wanted information for. Yeah, that was interesting. MPD released that still photograph and everyone in the public was debating about that oval sticker on the back. And then we realized later it was probably a reflection of the signs. So that was really strange. You're right. It was SWFA that put that video of the Nissan Altima circling their parking lot on their YouTube channel. Right. I'm so glad that they did though, because, you know, it just um, helps, um, I guess, bring the interest in and more interested people in the case is going to bring more eyes and ears and then ultimately bring in hopefully the tip that solves the case. So that's kind of, you know, why we do this. Right. So... So then the next one, according to a reliable source, is going to be um, the killer, we believe, hid in the hallway uh, where they couldn't be seen until Missy got closer to their location. Um, and from, from this reliable source, we heard that they put their fingers to their mouth, asked to say, shh, to her, to be quiet. And I think, it, in my mind, it was probably to make her think initially somebody broke in you know, hang on just a second, we're trying to assess the situation. And I think quickly, within seconds, she probably realized, oh my gosh, this is not what I think it is, and knew at that point she needed to run. So, um, I mean, that that's an interesting piece of information. What do you think? Yes, and we've heard so many times from many sources, and I wouldn't necessarily call any of those reliable, but we've heard that story that the perp is seen on camera Putting their finger to the mouth, their mouths and their mouth and saying "shh" to Missy. Now, the part about the crouching down was new, but this is a reliable source that Renee's talking about. So now I'm, we're realizing that "shh" thing is probably true, and that's just really, really horrifying to think that poor Missy walked in and then sees somebody that looks like a tactical cop saying "hey shh" and then crouching down, hopefully to make her think for just a minute to get her guard down. Right. I yeah, think that, that something else is going on in that building. Yeah, and, and for moments, she was probably trying to assess in her mind, like, wait, what is going on? What is this? And then quickly she went, oh, my gosh, this is not, something's not right here, and mm-hmm. went to run. So I wonder I, if she assessed it based on just it looked weird, or did the perpetrator then make a lunge for her? You know, probably the latter, but, I, of course, we don't know. Yeah, that's either way, it's got to be absolutely horrifying. I can only imagine what that woman went through yes and thinking about how terrified missy was in those moments it just makes us even want to keep going harder on trying to help find her killer exactly we don't think that necessarily our podcast will help find her killer or that renee or i individually or together will but we're sure hoping that raising awareness and getting the right person to turn in their tip if you're listening to this and you have any information please don't forget to report it to Crime Stoppers or Midlothian Police. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that, that in doing it, it does keep it going, and it does keep people talking because we hear constantly, um, oh, my gosh, I thought that got solved a long time ago, or, oh, wow, I didn't even, I've never heard of this case. So that I think that that continues to help. Um, so another uh, one, was, according to a reliable source, was Missy um, had a vase thrown at her from the perp, they grabbed from one of the tables. And I know you, we had talked about this a long time ago. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that until you told me it recently um, when that source told that to you. But I had heard um, a long, long time ago from a very reliable source that 
one of those glass tables, you know, they're like, I guess you call them a sofa table. Mm -hmm. They're a long, skinny, rectangular table that goes against the wall or behind a sofa. Mm -hmm. And one of those was apparently shattered um, in the altercation. And then the person that told us about it said that the church replaced it very, very quickly. And he was surprised that they got that tabletop replaced so quickly, but I hadn't heard the vase thing until you told yeah, me that. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, we've, we've heard so many things through the years, so it's just interesting to, and, and that's why we wanted to share it with everyone, and we don't we don't know that all of these are 100% true, obviously, but we wanted to share them with you. Okay, uh, so the next one um, is, according to a reliable source, now this one um that this one reveals that Missy was shot, um, and and back in 2020 we did a um, well actually we didn't do this with them they uh, WFAA did a news story on us and they I guess just was telling the public about us you know doing the podcast and trying to keep everything up front and in doing this they did this. Uh, we were kind of shocked when we heard it, so we're just going to share it with you. We were like, what? <laughs> it's been four years since fitness teacher Missy Beavers was discovered dead at the Creekside Church in Midlothian. There's still a mystery over who that was in the tactical gear, who pulled the trigger. Now the pair behind the podcast, True Crime Broads, want to put up a billboard to find Missy's killer, and they're hoping to raise $2,000 on GoFundMe to do so. So th- that was so interesting. When Who we heard that. pulled the trigger? They said it right there on the news. I know. And we had no idea. And I remember, you know, we knew that they were doing a story, but we had no idea that they were going to obviously say that. And we didn't know. So when we heard that, we were looking and like, what? Do you, do you, I'm getting confused because now it's been so long. Do you remember if MPD cooperated with that news story? I'm kind of thinking they didn't. I don't think they did, no. Yeah, because they would have told them not to say that, I'm pretty yeah. sure. They tried really hard to keep that secret, and I feel a little bad repeating it again, but we've said it on other podcasts. It's all throughout the public, and um, somebody early on had spread it around that wasn't supposed to. So right. it's just now it's out there as public knowledge pretty much. And then also people had found it online on murder, murderdata.com. Org. Org, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so in, if you haven't listened to our episode with a retired FBI agent, Bobby Chacon, we sort of go into that FBI database stuff with him if you want to check that out. He's the expert on that. It was a, it was wonderful having him on. It really was because he was knowledgeable about how that works and where the information comes from. And I had no idea how that worked until he explained it. So that was really good for sure. Um, okay, so the next one is, um, a, according to a reliable source, um, a hammer was thrown at Missy. Um, I heard this back in 2016, and then, of course, it's, you know, back and forth. You hear it often. What about you? And we heard that also. Remember the source who had the friend who had seen the video. Um, but, you know, it's always he said, she said at the end of the day. But when you hear it from several people, that don't know each other, we just kind of decided that's possibly true then. You know, right. that's that's worth at least keeping on the list. Exactly. And none of this stuff really matters that much to the investigation. We just know that there's a thirst and a hunger to know what happened in this case, and we're kind of just doing our best to piece it together. Exactly. And just keep, just keep talking until, you know, something changes, unfortunately. Um, it's been 
Almost six years in just a few yeah, days. Just a few weeks. So couple we weeks. just have to keep pushing forward. So y'all keep sending in your t- your ideas, your thoughts, because it really does help us. Because we get to points where we don't know what to talk about. We, you know, it's like we're, you know, just repeating ourselves. Yeah, and after point. two years of podcasting and six years of research, we feel like we've discussed almost everything. So we yeah. really do appreciate the comments. Right. Exactly. Okay. So. Um, another one, according to a libel source, is that Missy was bludgeoned in her head and chest. And I hate even repeating that because it just, oh, it just makes you just, you know, it just, I hate just saying that. Well, and, and that's what all the early reports said. Mm-hmm. So, But it, I mean, it was a little more detailed than that. I guess oh, I was kind yes. of hesitant to repeat it. Oh, gotcha. Yes. But, um, yeah, they, they, they said that it was more specific to her face and and chest. And area, that just so. really points to personal hatred. It really does. Not a stranger on stranger crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, in other words, m- there was more than one thing. It wasn't just uh, sh- shoot and run away or, you know, stab her and run away. It was more of a multiple ways of injuring her, which again, like you said, may- sounds just so personal. Mm-hmm. So it really does. Oh, that makes it so hard to. Um, so hard to, I, I, that's why I hate repeating that, you know, because it's so personal. And I and I wanted to say in the beginning of this, and I guess we've never d- really done, well, we've said it a few times, I know you have, um, that it's, you know, this, this podcast can say things that can be uh, hurtful or, you know, bother people that may be sensitive to this. But uh, typically people don't listen to podcasts about murder if they're sensitive, but just in case. Right. I just hate repeating it. And just thinking about how her going into the church and, um you know, being confronted by this loser. Oh my gosh, yeah. seriously. I mean, but you know, it, it kind of makes sense because we were talking about uh, not long ago about her walking into the church and turning on the lights and going on one side and then going on the other. And so if you think about it, on the right side, on the left side of the rooms, so on the right side is the sanctuary, and then there's a couple of door areas. Uh, maybe the, the killer was able to, you know, hide in one of those areas. What do you think? Probably so. Um, I just really think that, you know, people who look at this case and think it was not targeted toward Missy, you know, you and I talk all the time about that. That's impossible for us to wrap our heads around because it was pouring down rain. It was the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. literally way too late for someone to be awake still Mm -hmm. and way too early in the morning for someone to be up that doesn't have a good reason to be there like Missy did. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's somebody that went to the trouble of dressing up in that pretty bizarre outfit. I mean, yeah. it's not normal for someone to just have all that tactical gear hanging around their house to put on, or some say they ordered it. And then to go into the pouring rain in the middle of the night and hang out in a church for 28 minutes is what we've always heard from police. So for 28 minutes, there really doesn't seem to be any other goal Um because, I mean, criminals are goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. Even though they're bad people, they do have a goal that's some, to do something horrible. And when you look at what their goal is, they don't seem to, if they wanted to tear up the church, they had half an hour to do it, and they didn't. They did little nitpicky things that really probably didn't cost much to fix at all. Maybe the windows did, you know, but nothing really substantial was broken. And, right, that's correct. And then, um, you know, and then... People who say they were there to steal, they peeked into some rooms and maybe walked in and out of some rooms, but 
They weren't carrying anything. They didn't have a large bag to put things in. They didn't have a truck backed up against the awning or where any of the doors to haul anything away. And most churches, well, and like you were saying a long time ago, your church and my church, they do a lot of online offering now. Mm-hmm. Back a long, long time ago, you might find a bunch of cash, but people write checks. People do put a little bit of cash in those things, but most people give online now, at least most people I know. And there's just not, and, and also I think that after services, they're pretty good about going and depositing them and not just leaving them laying around the church in some office. Right. And so it's, we just really strongly feel like Missy was targeted. Now we don't know why, because by all accounts, she was a fantastic person and Renee knew her personally. Exactly. So she was. we really don't understand it unless some complete nut decided to be jealous about something it could be something they got the wrong idea about even. It doesn't necessarily have to be something Missy actually did. But this person is clearly not balanced to kill someone like that in a church in the middle of the night, in the pouring rain, dressed up like an idiot. Right. You know, and, and talking about the, um, you know, the the perpetrator walking through the church and um, being... Uh, just kind of peeking in rooms and so forth, you know, okay, so let's pretend for a second that they're there to steal stuff. Well, everything there is pretty big. I mean, you know, musical equipment's big. Um, I mean, I guess you could carry a computer, but are they just going to carry one piece at a time? I mean, it's going to be a lot, you know, seems like it, you would have something to put things in. You well, know? and people say that the perp was, the people who think it was untargeted said the perp was looking for audio equipment, but when they have found it in 30 minutes, I mean, what kind of criminal are you if you're wandering aimlessly for 30 minutes and you haven't found one thing? Yeah. I mean... Go back to your day job, you know? You're not yeah. a very good criminal. Right, yeah, because, I mean, those doors, I can't imagine. I mean, if you can get in the outer doors of this church, mm-hmm. the in door, inside doors are going to be way easier to get into, right? I would think. think. I mean, obviously, the outside doors are going to be the ones to keep people from coming in. Yeah, that's a good point. So the first got in. Yeah, easily. Yeah. So why couldn't they get into the other doors just as easy? Right. You know. So. And I would love to know if there was any part of the perp breaking in caught on camera. I mean, we're assuming there's not. We've heard from many reliable sources that the first time the perp is caught on camera is peeking out of the kitchen. So if those cameras are pointed out, now they have footage of Missy pulling up under the awning in her truck, okay? Mm -hmm. They have some kind of footage out one of the back doors of a sliver of a car we've talked about on the podcast before. I'm I'm still a little puzzled as to why an interior camera pointing out wouldn't catch the perp standing there playing with the door, trying to get in and breaking the glass. Because when you and I went to the church after CrimeCon, mm-hmm. on our way home from CrimeCon, we st- I remember standing at the very door where the perp came in, and I was feeling uneasy because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on camera. Yeah, <laughs> but then after I thought about it for a minute, I'm like, I guess the perp wasn't. Or maybe that might be something the police is keeping, has done a good job of keeping right. quiet. Yeah. Because why would, because I mean, the point of that camera system, from my understanding, is to have it on the perimeter of the building. Yeah, of course. So to see people coming and going, mostly people coming that aren't supposed to mm-hmm. when it's locked up. So why was the perp not filmed trying to get in? Yeah, that's a really good question. And why were they not filmed leaving? <laughs> You know, right, right. I mean, those are good questions. And, and I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that we can only just hope and pray that police will, you know, I mean, obviously they know more than we do and they know what they're doing. 
but I really do wish that they could share another piece of mm-hmm. the surveillance video because, mm-hmm. like you said, seeing them running in a different fashion than just, you know, you know, meandering around the church is going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, they do look like a Sunday walk in the park most of the time on camera. Just right. m- oddly wandering around so slowly Casually, but yeah. you yeah you would think that after the murder that footage that they say they have of of the perpetrator presumably leaving the way they came in mm-hmm. going down a hallway i would think the way they went down that hallway would be totally different than the way they wandered around the building yeah and you know something and you'll probably be able to remember crystal has such a good short-term memory and i don't i'm more of a long-term memory person <laughs> but you'll remember this but um it was either Cheryl McCollum or Christine Menina, I can't remember which, that said um, if the person was was there uh, walking around the church and they were there to obviously steal something, obviously they would be moving a lot quicker. Yeah. And they weren't. They were kind of just, you know, taking their time. Around. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, they weren't expecting anyone to show up. Okay, well, that may be true, but they typically would come around midnight or one because you have a better chance of, you know, knowing nobody's going to show up if it's in the dark versus it's about to be daylight. That's a good point. I think that was Cheryl McCollum. Yep, I think so. Yeah, and she was just saying that you usually see those kind of break-ins around one or two in the morning. Right. But yeah, right there at four thirty, and I mean, I know I wouldn't want to do it that close to daylight because, like you said, daylight people are going to show up for work, or you know, you never know. Somebody might supposed to be there at eight, but say, you know, what? And a lot of times, cleaning crews will come in the morning, like really early before places open. Mm -hmm. I really think that this Looney Tune knew that she taught a class at that time, like at five. Yeah, hadn't didn't have the presence of mind to research to figure out people come. They had those early bird workout people that come at four thirty. I don't think the perp knew that. So they were just thinking, I've got plenty of time, because for a 5 o'clock class, who would go super early? No one except the instructor. Right. That's probably what they were thinking, what the ding-dong perp was thinking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just hard for me to wrap my head around the untargeted theory, but, I mean, it doesn't, you know, not any anything towards people who think that. I mean, it's, you know, everybody has their own opinions, and, and it's totally good to continue discussing different theories because, it gives you ideas and it gives you, you know, different types of thoughts. And Yeah, and if you're out there listening to us and you're one of the people who thinks that this was not planned for Missy to be killed, that she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, will you please share with us any evidence that points to that? Because I would really like to think that through. I'm not a, against it. It just, I haven't seen any evidence that it was untargeted. Uh, same. Yeah, just uh, a lot of, there's quite a few people who have mentioned um, they were there to uh, break in and, you know, get things. And I'm like, but there was nothing taken. And they were like, how do we know that? And I'm like, because we've heard it from many different reports that nothing was taken. So if nothing was taken, then I can't think that they were there to take something. Well, and we didn't just hear it from reports. We also heard it from people close to the case. That's you know? true. And then also, I mean, like you said, the police said in the media early on that Missy's ring was still on. Mm-hmm. Her iPad, iPhone, truck, everything, her purse, everything was accounted for. And the el- they were working closely with the elders of the church at the beginning, and everything was accounted for. They were they right. said all along there was no theft. Yeah. If you can't steal something in 28 minutes, then you don't need to be doing, like like you said, Go back to your day job because you you don't need to be a, you don't need to be trying to break in places and still. Well, also I think it's important to maybe roll out Occam's razor right now. Um, 
Because basically, that's that philosophy that I'm probably not going to explain it very well. I should look this up and gotten an official definition before we got on the air. But basically, from my understanding, it's this this sort of philosophical idea that if you have to make a lot of leaps in your thinking, Mm -hmm. or if you have to elaborate or use your imagination, Mm -hmm. the least, the less that you do that, that's more likely the right answer. The least, the least amount of imagination Mm -hmm. and things that you have to fill in blanks, whatever answer causes you to do less of that, Mm -hmm. the least of that, Mm -hmm. that's usually the correct answer. Okay. That makes sense. And that's, you know, that's a concept that's been around for centuries. So there might be something to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have an actual definition for our next podcast. I forgot to look that up. No, you, you've mentioned <laughs> that before. And I, I do believe, I do think that that holds um, pretty true because uh, you're having to uh, make this elaborate um, situation or whatever that made this all happen. And it's, it's probably the, sim- the simple, the, yeah. yeah, the Occam's razor says the simplest answer yeah. is usually the correct one. Exactly. And I think the simple one is some total freak had it in for Missy and waited for her and killed her. We don't have to write an elaborate story. Right. Uh, you kind of have to put a creative narrative around why was it untargeted? Okay, well, this person was doing cosplay. Okay, there's no, there's absolutely no evidence of that. Right. Because that cosplay requires someone to... Acting it out, and they weren't acting. Right, and there's no, there's, I've never heard of anyone cosplaying alone. We had someone in our group say, oh, yeah, well, children do it. My son did when he was little. That's not, this isn't a three-year-old, okay? Right. This is an adult. Right. And he said some immature adults do it, and I just don't know if I know anyone immature enough to break into a church in the middle of the night to cosplay in the rain. I, I know absolutely nothing about cosplaying, but... This is what I'm thinking. So I know that they have like conventions and they get dressed up like different characters and then they all get together. I don't really know. I've never been, but they all get together and, you know, do whatever. But if you're cosplaying, aren't you kind of acting like, so wouldn't, wouldn't this person be walking around acting like a police officer, right. like going around a corner? You're definitely in character. Yeah. yeah. So right. that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like they never did that. No. They just and, walked around like a person. And also that's a communal activity. You're cosplaying for someone else, not yourself. Right. I mean, it's something you do as a group and with other cosplayers. So I would be concerned about this person that would be cosplaying in a building by themselves just doing And nothing. to go to all that trouble. <laughs> I would crazy. say, why don't you just do that at home yeah. or pick another building? Are you going to share it with people? Like, I broke into a building and I cosplayed around a building. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird. It's very weird. Very strange. And then, um, so then I just feel like with the untargeted theory, you have to sort of write a whole narrative that's not really part of the story. You have to imagine something. And yeah. what's the other stuff about about them wandering around looking for something to steal? There's absolutely no evidence of that. They're peeking in some doors, but you know, just like Cheryl McCollum said on our episode, if you haven't heard it yet, it's fantastic. She said it was from early 2021. She said that she has watched thousands and thousands of surveillance videos and crimes and she said thieves move quickly and they start the minute they walk in. That's They're right. just boom, boom, boom. They're yeah. very goal oriented. Because they gotta get in there and get out. They don't want to yeah. get caught, obviously. You so. don't you don't know if someone's gonna show up. Yeah. And so you wouldn't be meandering around for half an hour before anything happens. Right. And um, there's just absolutely no evidence that anything was taken and there's no evidence that the person was cosplaying. 
and there's no evidence that the person was trying to do any real damage to the building other than picking at a couple of locks that really looked like they were killing time, honestly. Yeah, it really did. I mean, because they weren't putting forth effort into it, and that's my issue is um, that they weren't putting that one door where you see them and mm-hmm. they're just kind of, you know, tapping. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I don't want to break into anything, but I promise you if, if I needed to get into there for some reason, I would do put much more effort into it than that it kind of looked like fidgeting i mean if you know you're about to do something as crazy and wild as kill someone you've probably got a little bit of nervous energy to burn off and wandering around peeking in doors fiddling with doorknobs and also i do believe that the perp was staging it to look like a break-in perhaps Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that Cheryl McCollum said on our episode with her was, how dumb is that to stage something while you're on camera? And she that's why she thinks that the perp wasn't counting on those cameras being in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you're, 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 the evidence is right there. <laughs> of course, it is misunderstood, as you see. Another thing that I found interesting about uh, that Cheryl McCollum said was she said when she gets to a crime scene, it starts at the location that they chose. So that's something that's real important. Uh, yeah. Obviously, so I why did they choose that? Yeah. Right. Why did they choose it? I personally think it's because because there's a, quite a few people that say, well, they could have shot her anywhere. Okay. In my mind, if I'm not going to shoot anybody, but if I'm you know playing this part for a minute, um, I I would want it to be in a spot where they were kind of cornered because if they're mm-hmm. just you're just out in the public and people are driving by or whatever, you know, anything can happen. Somebody could see me from, you know, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but they could run, they could duck, they could, you know, throw themselves on the ground and you could miss them and then you're running around chasing somebody with a gun. That's to me it's mm-hmm. probably more successful to be in a Small location. Yeah, and this person's unbalanced mind, too. I think that confronting Missy was part of this. Exactly. Shooting her from a distance wouldn't have been as much, quote-unquote, fun for the perp. Yeah, they wanted to get up close and personal. They probably said some things to her before they killed her. I don't know, but, you know, that's horrible to think about. But you know what I mean? I think confrontation had to have been part of this. Mm -hmm. It was just too up close and personal. Yeah. And like you said, there's a million other ways you can kill somebody without getting up in their face in a dark church in the middle of the night yeah. in the pouring down rain. A very, very bizarre case. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's why it fascinates people because, you know, you see the, the killer on camera. Um, and, and and for quite a while, even considering 28 minutes, I mean, two little over two minutes and 20 seconds, I think what they actually released to the public. And it's just uh, crazy to see that. And to like, who is that? Why can we not see? Now, somebody mentioned something the other day, and I wanted to ask you this, but we haven't really talked about it. Somebody said that when you look at the person, when they turn and face uh, us, and they're kind of like uh, getting something together, and it kind of stops, and then it jumps or something, Mm -hmm. they said it looks like their uh, eye area is like fogged. So that we can't really clearly see. And I know sometimes they do stuff like that with license plates and stuff Mm because they don't want you. They know who it is, but they don't want you to know who it is. Yeah, show me that. I never noticed that before. I mean, I was just wondering what you thought about that because, I mean. I didn't see that. I don't know why they would do that, but maybe. Yeah. I hope they do have something that definitive about the perpetrator's face. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really good. Now, they did tell us that this perpetrator is Caucasian. They have not committed to male or female, which is astounding after six years. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know for sure the gender, but we know that this is a, a white person. Mm-hmm. And 
they were there that day. We don't know if they live in Ellis County. Perhaps they used to and they don't anymore. And there was something else that I uh, heard. I guess I, apparently you can tell I, I listened to the uh, episode with Sherman McCollum recently because <laughs> I, I know more than I normally do, remember anyway. Uh, but another thing that did, uh, did it, somebody mentioned, it might have been her, that said um, typically if a person uh, is, they're either connected to the killer. I mean, I'm sorry, let me re-say that again. They're e- either connected to the person that they kill or connected to the location. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that usually varies in the type of killer they are. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And we firmly believe that this person was had some connection to Missy. And I really don't think it was a close connection because I think it would have been solved by now. Oh, I think yeah. this person was more on the periphery watching. Just enough, yeah. Watching and hating and becoming more angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, and I do stand behind uh, my theory that it was a little bit more impulsive than people think it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think this was planned for months. A lot of people right. are like, wow, so much planning went into this, da, da, da. But there were so many mistakes made. Unfortunately, not mistakes that have gotten them caught yet, but mistakes like not knowing about the 430 campers. I yeah. mean, that The perpetrator apparently just narrowly got out of there before people showed up. Right. I mean, we're talking seconds, yeah, not really minutes. Right. So from what we've been able to piece together. So... The perpetrator couldn't have known that she had those people coming early. Right. Um, yeah, they probably thought they had a good 30 minutes or yeah, more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So there's too many things for me to think that it was that well planned out. I think that they had access to tactical gear. That's just my opinion. Hopefully we'll find out one day. But I feel like the tactical gear was in this person's life. They might have a family member that's in the business of selling it. They might have a spouse or someone else very close to them that – they could grab tactical gear out of their closet and it wouldn't really, they wouldn't really notice. Right. Um, a police officer would have probably multiple things. I know that my husband, before he went to law school, he, as his living, he sold uniforms mm-hmm. and he sold them mostly to firemen and postal workers. But he said that they all have multiples of everything and they have older ones. He said that the postal workers had older shoes that they would where on days where that you know like the guys that actually deliver the mail on foot oh yeah and then but if they were had something else going on at the post office that day they might wear their nicer ones and mm-hmm. they'd wear their more comfortable ones that were a little more torn up when they were on foot that makes so much yeah sense. they just would have like different ones and when he would sell them their they would tell them why oh yeah i need to get another one of those because when i'm behind the counter i looked like to have the sweater on but when mm-hmm. i'm outside walking i prefer just to have the regular shirt on you know they just have all these reasons why they have multiples of stuff. Right. So I'm sure that if you're a police officer, and maybe police officers are out there listening and can clarify this for us, I would assume that if you are a tactical cop, you probably just don't have one tactical change of clothes. But one thing that's confusing is I think it's different for different departments, but mm-hmm. I would think that maybe they would leave that stuff at the station. But maybe after all that time, if you've been a cop a long time, like, for example, when I was watching the HLN show, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but it's really good. It was on the Missy Beavers case, mm-hmm. and uh, John Bueller was the expert on there talking, and he used to be a cop and investigator, and he was saying that, that whatever the perp is wearing in the church in the Missy Beavers case looks like vintage tactical gear. Mm-hmm. So that always stuck out in my mind that he said that. Because I was thinking, if your husband, say, has been a cop for, you know, 20, 30 years or something like that, I would definitely, if I was going to grab his stuff without him knowing, I would get the old crap from the back of the closet that he's not going to remember and doesn't wear anymore. Right. You know, and also, I don't, I mean, I just remember my dad got bigger over 
time and like his military uniforms. Um, my dad was career military and he had these military suits and stuff from when he made officer and my mom would tease him about, why don't you go put that on? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he would put on the jacket just to make us laugh, but it didn't fit. It wouldn't even close. Right. But, you know, it's possible that this was maybe yeah. clothes that would more likely fit a woman than maybe whatever size her husband was at the time. I'm in full speculation mode right now, so forgive me. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. You know, I mean, you, you got to remember if somebody has been doing this for a long time, I doubt very seriously one of their things is going to say, oh yeah, could you go get all your, your past uniforms for the last 20 years and bring them up here? You know? Right, right. And then they're not going to remember, oh, you have seven or whatever. You know? Yeah. They're not going to remember that. So I guess that would Yeah. Be- my husband brought that up several times that they just have multiples, you know, of their outfits and um yeah, uniforms. You, really, you really have to have more than you know you have to have several so you can you know you don't have to just go oh i gotta go wash just to mm-hmm. get through the week you know? and then i can imagine the older ones just never get touched after yeah. a certain amount of time yeah because it's outdated it's just because you you just want to keep it for you know the sake of because you had it you know mm-hmm. but of course i'm speculating who knows maybe the perpetrator did order all this stuff for the murder and i'm completely wrong but that's just sort of the avenue that i tend to go down Right. I wonder sometimes because, you know, SWFA had such amazing um, uh, cameras over there. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they kind of went through and tried to look at theirs uh, and see if they could see anything that night. Yeah, that's a good point. They have really high tech, awesome cameras. I mean, they can zoom in. They, I know my husband said that he watched a couple of their videos before the murder even happened and they would zoom in on people flying a plane and you could see the person's you know, facial hair, you know? (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that uh, the police were very uh, happy that they were able to share, you know, stuff with them and help them out. Sure. And, you know, one more inside scoop that Renee got recently is that they're on the right track, that the investigation is moving along. That's actually more than the police has told us in years. So yeah, exactly. if, if that's true, I really am encouraged by that. I know. I, I truly do hope that they say something this year. This is six years. And I know it's not, you know, 20 years or whatever. But, you know, it's six years. It's being actively worked um, by at least three people. And so I would think that they would feel compelled to update everybody. Because I know in talking to people throughout these year, throughout the years, uh, these six years, and in the last two years doing the podcast, a lot of people have expressed, um, you know, fear. I mean, just being afraid, just taking out the trash, like you said, and just doing normal everyday things. And I and the same thing rings for me too. So I can't imagine... I mean, I just feel like police should tell us something, you know. Yeah, at least let us know that it's... Give us encouragement. Yeah, because sometimes it just seems like hopeless. Yeah, it does. And especially you live... You still live down there. I'm about an hour north now, but you're right down there in the middle of it. You have every right to be concerned and worried. Right, yeah, it makes it hard. It really does, and it makes me sad for people that go through the fear, uh, unfortunately, uh, not as bad as what Missy went through, but just the fear of not knowing, you know? Yeah, because if this, you know, they, a lot of, we've heard a lot of different people say they think this was isolated to Missy. However, if this person is crazy enough to dress up like that, go confront her in the middle of the night in a church in the pouring rain and kill her, they could get mad at someone else yeah. and do it again. Exactly. Maybe not in the exact same manner, but. Once you've killed someone, I would say all bets are off. You could do it again. Yeah, definitely. Because the mindset you have to get into to do something like that, so cold-blooded, 
It just means that you don't have any care for others. Mm-hmm. So it's really strange. It makes me wonder if this person, how they're presenting themselves, if they're on social media, do they present themselves as like really great Christians? You know what I mean? Like right. sometimes you see that in cases. Um, it'll be very interesting when this is solved and we can discuss all that kind of stuff. Right. And you know, a lot of people will instantly think um, they must be an atheist. And it's actually quite the opposite. A lot of times you hear serial killers say, you know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home mm-hmm. and God wanted me to kill that person because they were doing bad things or whatever. Well, yeah, and especially if you get someone who's emotionally off balance, they're hearing voices that tell them to kill someone. But if the person is, you know, quote unquote, within their right mind, they sometimes feel totally justified in doing it. Yeah. Like God gives me a pass on this because that person's so horrible. Yeah, they're doing bad things. And I, I need to save people from, you know, this, that, or the other. So I'll just take them out, which is just bizarre. But do we have anything else we wanted to cover? I know. Um, one thing about I want to update about the billboard. Yes. It got completely uh, funded. As everybody knows, we Yay! are doing, we did one more month on the billboard that is currently up. And then at in starting in May, mm-hmm. uh, Crime Stoppers is taking over that. Thank goodness, mm-hmm. and um, it's going to be on a traveling billboard throughout Ellis County. So I'll have to find out those locations and take some pictures for everybody. But everybody helped fund the last month for the big billboard, and then do the, pay for the artwork for the new billboard. And that'll be up in beginning of May. So thank you, everybody, for all of your contributions and being so awesome and helping us never questioning, just doing it. It's just amazing. Yes, and thank you so much for contributing. And we're going to stop begging for money for the billboard, which we're really excited about. We are. Yeah, that's a pretty, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, everybody's always good about doing it, but I always hate it and I always put it off. And and then I finally have to come to and go, okay, everybody, can you help? Because we got, you know, a few days And it's just been so wonderful. Everyone comes forward. So thank you to our fantastic listeners for not just listening to us and supporting us and leaving us nice reviews but you also actively get involved in this investigation so right. thank you for that right thanks for participating we we really appreciate all of you hey we just had an article come out in the focus daily news which is a local to where missy where the missy case happened and DeSoto, what kind of the surrounding areas and his name was rick mouch mm-hmm. is that right and he wrote an article about the missy beavers case six-year anniversary and he mentioned us so we really appreciate that yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, you can we, find it online if you just Google Missy Beavers um, Focus Daily News. Focus, yeah. Um, we, we, we ever so often, we have people reach out to us uh, about doing a story or, a, you know, whatever. So that's how he reached us and, and did it. So we're real appreciative of that because, again, it just helps keep the story out there. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening. Do we have anything else to share? I think that's it. I think I we updated think that's everybody. It. So thank you so much for tuning in to True Crime Broads. Please keep the comments coming. Please keep the reviews coming. If you think we deserve a five-star review, we really appreciate that. And also, if you could please follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is True Crime Broads. We'd love to see you on there. Yep. And don't forget to call in any tips that you may have. Uh, the number is 972-937-7297. Or you can download the P3 app and uh, do an anonymous tip there. Thank you all again for uh, listening, and we love you all. So we are su- So we are super excited to tell you all about She's Birdie. It's a personal safety alarm made for women by women. Yeah, they're colorful alarms. They have a 130 decibels alarm and a flashing strobe light that's designed to deter any attack.
And these would make a great gift for everyone, whoever that important woman is in your life. I would highly recommend getting one of these. And you can also use our discount code. Oh, absolutely. The best news is, is we're going to help y'all get a discount. Well, there's five colors to choose from. And She's Birdies will give you 15% off. Uh, they're partnering with organizations that support women's safety. So they're letting us offer our listeners 15% off. All you have to do is you enter True Crime Broads 15. So it's True Crime Broads spelled out one five at checkout and you'll get the discount. Yep. Just go to www.she'sbirdie.com when checking out. Yeah.